to Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Rasul Butler to my Quran Butler. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? It's going pretty good. Good, 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 good. I've been very busy these last couple of uh, weeks, also trying to uh, recover from the end of Mavs season. Uh, we'll talk mm-hmm. about that in Mavs time, but we're, we're plugging right along. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals, which begin, as we are recording, begin tomorrow night. Uh, we are we have a lot of coaching news we need to sort through. We may touch on uh, this Nets-Sixers thing, which I find I find very interesting. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how much time we have left for that. Let's start with, with Heat Celtics, though, Tobin. The series is finally over. It went seven. We talked last week and both kind of said this is, like, the worst... <laughs> close series i feel like i've ever seen i have no no idea what to expect game to game i think we both picked heat in seven at that point because they were the home team um that looked really bad in game five when the the celtics once again just absolutely pounced on the heat and destroyed them at home in another just pretty miserable game (laughs) and then lo and behold they go to boston in Another pretty miserable game that somehow, I mean, it was at least that one game was close. That was a close game. Yeah. But it was sucked as a game. Like it just was a, I mean, a lot of it had to do with it's, it was Scott Foster and Kane Fitzgerald. That's a really tough combo in a big time playoff game. And and you, you kind of got what you paid for. If you're the NBA, it was a very, both sides of the, I mean, Celtics fans and heat fans were all, upset about the officiating so uh, you know that's just kind of what you get when you have these those two guys out there uh but the celtics come out excuse me the the heat come out with the win send it to game seven and then we just had a i mean i don't know man you i'm gonna i'm just gonna toss it to you game sevens are a really special thing that um that, that that the nba gets and they they don't happen all that often We've had a few this year. We had we had Celtics Bucks game seven. We had obviously Mavs Suns game seven, and now and now this one a game seven. Was there another one in the first round that I'm forgetting? I can't. I don't. No, I think this. I think, I think the Mavs was the first one, wasn't it? I believe so. Um, game sevens are really cool. Um, they're a lot cooler when your team is not involved, or you don't oh, have yeah. or rooting interest, or if your team wins by thirty. Um, that also is pretty fun. It turns out in a game seven, but um, otherwise it's the the environment, the intensity, the tension of the situation is super interesting and fun and makes for it doesn't necessarily make for great basketball. It makes but it does make usually for great situations. Um, tell talk to me about game seven and what your takeaways from that before we, we may we, we're going to have to get into the Jimmy Butler shot. I know that it's been like four or five, six days since that actually happened, but we'll, we'll talk about that just a little bit. But what what did you feel like what did you take away from this game 7 uh, or what was the you know the experience of watching it back like cuz i know we we both were we were we were watching top gun maverick having a wonderful time during this game but i know we both watched it after the fact so maybe we gave a different experience since we weren't having to sit through the emotions and the tension of of that whole game but what 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 did you feel like was the takeaway from at least from the boston side that we can maybe apply into the warriors series here well, down the row from you in the movie theater, I was actually I had the f- game on on my phone uh, <laughs> down by my my side. Um, but that was more like in the last five minutes because mm-hmm. I was score watching as the game was going, and it just kept kind of creeping up, creeping up, or kind of staying put. And I, because the Celtics 
came out strong and looked like they're going to put it away. Yeah. And then it, and then the heat just kept staying in it. And that's, that to me is what most game sevens are. Unless you, you like, you always have to force them to, you know, go, to, to die basically. Mm-hmm. If you don't yeah. like, if you don't do what the Maz did to the Suns, you know, like it just, it, that's, that's basically how it rolls typically. Um, and, I, I just didn't really have any faith that the that the Heat were out of it, but I also didn't really have a whole lot of faith that the that the Heat could stay in it because like that this whole series, as we said last week, is just completely unpredictable because you don't know what kind of team you're going to get from either one of them, and I I think that this this wasn't surprising, and I think that the Celtics did what they needed to do in Miami, which was good, but it was just, it was just surprising to me that the heat were able to get back into it, to be honest with you, because I just, I don't think they had the kind of offense to do that. So that, that if I'm a Celtics fan, even though that happens a lot, I'd be a little concerned about that, but also, you know, I just, it just kind of all went the way I thought I was going to get to go once I was kind of in the game and watching it and stuff. It just, it wasn't a very entertaining game to watch. If I'm being honest, like I didn't really enjoy watching it. So yeah, I mean, for a playoffs that has been so, so rife with just great shot making, you know, it was just not the case in this game. The, I, the Heat, the Heat are miserable to watch most of the time offensively. It's, it's. I know Tyler Hero is out, but like to be honest with you, if your if your entire offense hinges on whether or not. Tyler Hero is healthy or right or both, then like you've got a major structural problem. So maybe it's a miracle that they got this far. I I don't know. I they they did you're right. They the Celtics did let him hang around just enough. I think the Heat closed it to six right at halftime with Kyle Lowry basically just flopping his way into some points. Um I don't really think that the Celtics can complain about that given the way that their point guard has played, but you know, whatever. Um and then the third quarter, they come Celtics come right back and kind of push the lead back out. I wasn't following too closely during the the, the movie because I was riveted by by the best movie <laughs> I've seen in six years. But uh, but I I you know I looked down I, at one point I checked my phone I saw the score I was like it was like late third I was like okay this is it was like ten points and given the state of the Heat's late game offense you're like just i don't know how much you're going to be able to get if you don't make a run to start the fourth you're you're probably in some trouble exactly. and i checked again yeah. later and and it was maybe 6 minutes left in in the fourth and it wasn't close again it was i think it was 13 points at that i'm like okay this is over i turned it off i didn't check again and then when i got home i i, I looked in our discord and i saw all these messages and so then I pulled, I mean, at that point, I just assumed that it was over, over at that point. I pull out the phone and I see how close the game got. And then I went back and actually watched the game and stuff. And I, boy, the, I, for as awful as the heat offense is in those moments, as we've said a million times, they finally had a little, a little pep to their step in the, I mean, like Max Drews hit an insane shot. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a they got they got out in transition off of some some bad Boston possessions and stuff, but my takeaway more than anything honestly was just like what is Boston doing here? What how this and and look our team is prone to that too. I, I oh yeah I, I know how it is, but like 
at a certain point, these teams have got to figure out, and this has been a thing with Boston through two coaches. And, and it, anyway, I, I'm not dragging on because they just got the, to the daggum NBA finals, but the last five minutes of their, their offense was, was atrocious and entirely preventable. It was the, the heat's offense at the end of games is bad because they are not built to score baskets ever. Um, the the Celtics offense was terrible down the stretch because they they went into prevent offense. They stopped doing all the things that they had been doing up to that point that had been working. They just fully reverted back to the team that we weren't super sold on earlier in the year. And it's just a weird thing because they 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 have done that numerous times through the course of of this playoffs, let alone um, through the course of of the season. And so I. I gotta be honest. I I I think they were a little lucky to to get out of that. I I I think playing a team like the Heat that is just so like <laughs> like scoring repellent. Um, they're just so unable to to close these sort of situations. I I think they were pretty lucky to be honest with you. I, lucky is the wrong word for the game. Obviously, they they did the work. They did everything they needed to build the lead. They were very very good through most of the first like 43 minutes of the game. But the, the way they closed that, the, the, the last five minutes was, was rough, man. And really, really, I think maybe gives you, gives me some pause as they move into the finals. I don't know. Yeah. Again, as we've said all year, this team has the potential to be fantastic. And it also has the potential to be incredibly disappointing. And, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing. I, I let's, but I it, you know, at the same time I feel like the Heat just couldn't get out of their own way in a lot of ways totally. too. Yeah. Um, they were just trading shot for shot for the last you know a few minutes as well, and that's obviously never going to go well. But I just there's never a time whenever Jimmy Butler is your main offensive creator that I think that's going to go well for you in a playoff situation. Like Jimmy Butler is a great basketball player, and he can do what he does. And get those points, but like you said earlier, if you if you're relying on Tyler Hero's points, that's pretty that's pretty damning in my opinion. And uh, you, know, I said it a couple weeks ago, but like again, like where the heck is Duncan Robinson? Where is you know Oladipo had decent minutes, but not you know he's not doing a whole lot of things. Lowry is just. I don't know what the heck's going on with him, man. Like if I'm, if I'm the heat, I, well, yeah, that's, if I'm the heat, I'm trying real hard to package him out of the, out of Miami this year, because that, that dude looks like he's done. Um, just a lot about that just felt really weird in Boston. Just kind of like, I feel like if this was the bucks, like the, with Chris Middleton and the bucks, like at full strength, like that would have never flown this this game. They would have totally. gotten they yeah. would have gotten smoked. Um, but you know they also are in the finals now, so you can't give them you sure. can't give them too much you know crap about it. Yeah, it's this weird place to be in where I'm, again it's like I'm not I don't want to come at the Celtics. They are going to the finals. That's an incredibly impressive thing. I just that last five minutes. We'll, we'll, we'll I'll hold it. I'll hold it. We'll and we'll, we'll we'll move it when we get into the Warriors. The the thing with with Butler Butler and Bam in this game. 60 points, 20 rebounds, 5 assists on 25 and 45 25 for 45 from the field between those two guys. Everyone else on the team, 36 points on 12 of 43 shooting. I mean, yikes. 
that is as bad as you're ever going to see from a supporting cast, um, especially at home, man. Like, it, it's always... Well, I mean, a- yeah, we both said that last week that the home court is probably the difference in a series that you can't really predict what's going to happen. Yeah. And that, that didn't happen at all. <laughs> it was bad, so... I mean, you just, you always see, I've always felt like the, the home court thing is a little bit overrated, but then you see it, it usually bears out when, one of the things that usually comes through is like the role players play better at home than they do on the road. That's always been, that's a little weird to me, especially with a veteran team. It's a little odd to me, but, but it, the, the statistics usually bear that out. So you expect that this team with PJ Tucker and Victor Oladipo and Kyle Lowry and. And on and down the list, you expect them to come out and just have normal games, at least. If not, somebody gets that, like, spark from the crowd and, and goes off. And instead, it is the complete opposite. Like, I know I know, Lowry ended up with about 18 points or whatever, but it was a miserable 18 points. It was incredibly inefficient. It was, it, and it was, that guy's game is, is aging so poorly, um, and he just looked terrible. But when all the shooters are just, they're just giving you nothing, I... I I don't know it, so it leads to that last shot by Jimmy Butler that that for me is a terrible, terrible, terrible shot, and it was, I was surprised at how much debate there was as to good shot or bad shot um, in that situation. At the very least, I would say Tobin for me that is a that is a no, 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 yes shot that didn't go in, so it's just a bad shot. Like there's no, there's no really. <laughs> the only I guess the only defense of that that I saw that was like I guess is is. This team is terrible, and Jimmy Butler's had they, they, he has gotten nothing from most of his teammates. He's the one that's dragged them to this place. You live with his judgment. Um, I don't ever want a twenty three percent shooter, no matter how good he is, no matter if he's my best player or my twelfth player. I don't really want a twenty three percent shooter pulling up for three without setting his feet with sixteen seconds left on the clock. That's to me is just a pretty miserable shot, regardless of whether you're Jimmy Butler or you're uh, Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson or Gabe Vincent or whoever else. I don't know. Yeah, I think Butler definitely needed the shot. I mean, I don't, I don't argue that. Um, there were 16 seconds left. They had a timeout. If you go back and watch the replay, there is a reason why Al Horford was 15 feet off of him. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he thought he was going to the basket. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, it's, it, to me, it's the feet not set. I'm actually okay with the shot that early in the clock because I feel like if it's a good shot, that gives you time to get a rebound, get a bucket, you know, put them, you know, play the free throw game a little bit longer. Um, it's the it's the feet not being set running into a three that's the biggest problem for me. Like if you would have stopped on the three point line and Horford still didn't pick you up, mm-hmm. okay, then set your feet and shoot the ball. Still probably not a great shot, but it's better than you running into the three point line and shooting the ball. Whenever you're not already not a knockdown three point shooter, there's very few people in a game seven that I would trust to take that kind of shot. And none of them are on the Miami heat. Um, yeah, I think, I think what I would want to do in that situation is I don't know if he was calling for it or, or not, but I, I would want the timeout personally because they, if you like, cause at first I was like, Oh, well they maybe were catching him off guard. There were four Celtics in the, in the defensive set. And I think only three heat when this, when the shot was made. So like, it wasn't like you were getting a break on them. Um, or at the very least 
put your head down, go to the basket, hope they give you a foul yeah. ball, you know, or a kick out at that point. You know, yeah. just I don't know. I just there's so many other things you could do there that are not a step into a three pointer off balance with 16 seconds left to go. Yeah, that's to me. I'm good with not calling a timeout. I like not calling a timeout in that situation, especially against a team that was like the best defensive team in the league this year. Like, I don't want them to get set in the half court. I know they were a little bit more back than the Heat were, but still, um, I'm good with that. He, you know, Butler had one early in the game. The one three that he hit in this game was a similar play where he walked into a three on a on a semi transition. And uh, but but that was one where he 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 did. He walked into it. He dribbled up, you know, with the thought of no one's guarding me. I'm going to step into this three. I felt very confidently that the whole thing comes down to he's bringing the ball up the court. Horford played that perfectly by just like almost ducking into the paint almost like his. He just was like, this guy's going to drive at me. So I need to get back. I truly think, because I mean, I you know, you and I, you've been in this situation several times, I'm sure, same as I have. When you bring the ball up like that, and I'm a terrible basketball player, always have to say that, you know, comparatively to, you know, to Jimmy Butler or whatever. I think he saw, oh crap, I'm open, and he he went to he rushed that that sequence and and ends up taking a shot that's that's off balance. Um, and it's just it's not the shot you like. I said. He's, I know he's about 32, 33% in the, the play, maybe even 35% in the playoffs. That's fine. He's still a 23% three-point shooter that that makes his living on driving into tough pull-ups and getting to the free throw line. With two, down two points, I I I want my guy, I, I I want my guy going doing what he does best, and that's not pull-up threes. So, you know. I, I again I as is always the case with with NBA Twitter debates, it it <laughs> By the time I was watching the game on replay, it felt like you had you had one of two choices. Either that was a great shot and he's the best player on the team and the, the best player on the team gets to do whatever he wants and you can't criticize him for that. Or it was such a bad shot that it invalidated everything that he did in game seven and game six to get them to this point and that he is a scrub. You know, there's like there's no in between. It can't be. Man, he had an incredible game and played so well down the stretch of the series. And also, that is a miserable shot for him to take. And that's yeah, which happens. Like that happens to all yeah, players. Totally, like I just totally. You know, in in to the Heat fans' points, I don't. There's no one else that you probably want to give that to. So like he needed to take the shot. It's mm-hmm. more of the yeah. find a better shot, use the clock. You know, I just, yeah. I don't know. I just yeah. I, there's so many things. But again, we're not. We're not staring down the end of our season with 16 seconds left like he is, so it's easy to be, you know, armchair quarterback in that situation. But I, I just think you're getting paid to do that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like I don't know what how you can necessarily do that as a coach, but it's almost like when he runs up to that line, Spo had to fit in his head, be thinking <laughs> like, no, timeout, timeout, timeout. You know, just like <laughs> I don't know if you can get yeah. that off quick enough, yeah. but man, what a it's you know it's. They are the most enigma. We talked about the Celtics being enigma. The Heat, if you would have told me two months ago that they were the number one seed in the East, I'd be like, no, like they're not. Mm -hmm. They're not. And they're not going to be the number one seed in the East or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, they were. And they ended up making, they were one shot away from being in the finals this year. And I I just don't, I still don't really know how. But, you know, more more power to them. They have a lot of tough decisions to make this year, I think, though. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all goes down. You know, they have Spo, who I think is the best coach in the league. 
we make fun of heat culture and we should because it, it just it gets so overblown and and it very obnoxious. Uh, but there is certain something to the, you know, the culture and the idea the team has an identity. They have uh, they have a real they have strength from the top down. Um, all this sort of stuff. They've got Jimmy Butler, who is a this weird player that like isn't a top ten player, but can become a top ten player when and in certain moments or in stretches or whatever. Um, and we all love Bam. And they am, they're in Miami, so they already have an advantage over other teams when it comes to to trying to bring in to bring in new players. Um, I think that they are much closer to dropping back into the pack than they are to like solidifying the team to become um oh yeah 100%. a championship contender or whatever. I mean I I I think that this series exposed like how how weak they are across the board. And I and and again credit to them for getting this far because it's pretty impressive given who they have the pedigree of of this team. But like they're in a, to me they're in a pretty they're in a pretty rough spot. Um and they're just gonna ha- they're gonna have to find a way to um, extend the window a little bit or or beef up just a bit before the window closes. I guess maybe is is the best way to put it. And I don't love all the I don't love the options they have to improve their team. Uh, it's it doesn't look great to me at this point. I think they've also given out some contracts that were that seemed good in the moment, but also risky, and they're not panning out as well as they probably could have. Uh, Tyler Hero, they're gonna have to make a decision on him. Do they lean into him or do they? Because he's, I think he's their one wanted asset right now outside of Bam Adebayo, mm-hmm. and Maybe I think Butler, he's also yeah. the person that they think that they can probably get something for if there's another superstar that wants to come there. Um, but he's also might be the one person they need to keep too. It's just it's you know, it's a weird it's a weird thing to be in. It's kind of like with you know we'll talk a mass time. We're about to go through this with Jalen Brunson of. Yeah, you give him the contract. He's earned it, you know, mm-hmm. but it also has the potential to be pretty bad for us in a couple of years if he ends up, you know, declining or not be ever being a full-blown starter. And that's kind of – I think that's kind of what they're running into with, for sure, Duncan Robinson, but maybe Gosh. even high, Hero a little bit. And, you know, they, def, they definitely got the short end of the father time with Kyle Lowry for sure. But – I mean, look, it's that you know, like the, you you make those deals every time. Like we we were want you know we were on the Lowry train, you know, before the Heat went after him as well. And so mm. it's it's just it just did not work out for them as much as it probably should have. And it's it's weird to say considering they just got done you know barely losing the Eastern Conference Finals. But that, I really feel like this is going to be an interesting couple of week, couple of months for them for sure. Yeah, I just I think my biggest thing is just like. If this was reversed, let's say Celtics lose this series, Heat are going on to the finals. You look at the Celtics and you say they're not a perfect team by any means, but they, you know, they've got a lot of stuff that's that's working very well. They've got a they they seem to really dig their coach. Um, they've got a couple of guys who are still big time on the upswing. You know, not uh, that are not really. I mean, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both probably aren't even on their prime yet. You know, all these things. Hey, they got they got plenty. There's plenty to come for this Celtics team, and that, mm-hmm. that's something you can hang on to. And it's the same for the Mavs. The Mavs, you can say, hey, there's a lot of things that can be done here. They're they're far they're far away from really, you know, here's their window or whatever. The Heat, it's it's just not that way to me. And again, they're Miami, and it's Pat Riley, and it's Eric Spolstra, and they've they've revamped and refitted themselves, you know, many many times over the years, and. 
and maybe they'll be able to do so again. But looking at what they have in the cupboards right now, it's just like, man, I don't know. Like I'm, I, I'm a lot, I'm real concerned about like, we may, I'm not concerned cause I don't care. I don't care if the heat, you know, do well or not. But the, um, the, 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 the idea of like, is this a, is this a team that you're, that you're going to feel real good about being a finals contender even three years from now? No. Two years from now? Ooh, I don't think so. One year from now? It, it, as they stand right now, it feels like a team that's like, we got to go after, we got to do everything we can to go after it next year because that may be kind of where this starts to, without some major revamping, that may be where, where it starts to, to go the wrong way. So anyway, um, I don't know. We're going to be, I enjoyed the tweet that was like, here's what the Heat have to work with in the offseason. <laughs> here's the assets. And it's like Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero on a sign and trade and three future draft picks. And, and I looked at that and was like, cool. Nobody wants that. Nobody is interested. I think every all, all 29 other teams also watched Kyle Lowry. All 29 other teams also saw Duncan Robinson literally could not get off the bench. You know, this is, I don't know. Good luck, I guess. Um, I'm, not, I'm not overly hopeful on it personally yeah but, totally but we'll see and i'll look like an idiot this time next year when they're cruising into the finals and whatever um that's fine let's talk about this matchup warriors celtics uh it's defense versus defense which is not the first thing that obviously that comes to mind for for the average fan when you're talking about the warriors but that really was the thing that they hung their hat on through most of this year um was their defense and then boston of course was like the best defense in the league for much of the season but yet this is the thing I complain about the most um, about the NBA is that it just feels like there's there's not a lot of differentiation between the teams, and it mostly comes down to who, who hit the most threes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is a clash of styles, I think, Tobin, between these two teams, at least offensively. It will it it should be at least interesting on that front. They generate their threes differently at the very least, which is a which is a fun and interesting thing. I think this is also going to be the team that the hardest team the Warriors have faced in three-point defense as well. Mm-hmm. And so Definitely. if they are able to – like we we were talking about the Mavs being able to run them off the line and do all that stuff, and that clearly didn't work. Um, the Celtics have a different kind of approach to that, while also the same kind of approach. And I think that that is going to be maybe the X factor for me is can the Celtics slow them down on the line and or shut them down. Um, and if they can do that, they have a really good shot because – you know, as we saw in our series, if you hit shots, that's, you know, if you hit the threes, that's what's going to happen. Like that's, that was mm-hmm. our sun series for us. And that, you know, that's the unfortunate problem with our team this year is that if the threes weren't falling, we were, mm-hmm. we're in trouble. Yeah. And the Warriors aren't as, they don't have as, as much weight on the three as we do probably the Mavericks do, but they definitely have that weight there. And so if the Celtics can slow that down, I really think that they have a shot at, slowing the whole game down and kind of putting it in their realm of, of success. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they manage pool and clay. Mm-hmm. Cause I think Steph is Steph. He's going to do what he needs to do, but he also hasn't been that great in the playoffs except for the couple of spurts. So um, I think it's, it's really easy to assume the warriors are going to run away with, their style and be able to do whatever they want to do because they're the Warriors. But I just, I don't think that's going to be the case against the Celtics. I think the Celtics are going to be able to defend them pretty well, actually. 
I definitely, I like the defensive matchup. Um, I think that Celtics, I, I agree with you. Obviously, I think the Celtics are obviously the best defensive team that they, that they have played up uh, against in this series, excuse me, in this, this playoffs. Um, and there's a lot of uh, diversity about with the ways in which the Celtics can go at you. That I think that was a big thing for the Mavs was just they just didn't have another another gear to go to defensively. Um, when this has worked so well against this team and this team, and it's not really working against this team, how do we change it up? Well, <laughs> we really can't. We'll you know we'll we'll switch a little more or we'll switch a little less. We'll try to, all these sorts of things don't really work against the, the way that the, the warriors uh, move the ball. Um, the flip side of that is I think this is a, a completely different, obviously this is not, that's not a very unique or smart thing to say at all. It's a very, it's a completely different uh, offensive look than anything. The Celtics have seen mm-hmm. up to this point because the warriors are different than just about everybody. It's, it's so yeah. based on ball movement and, and find the guy who's open and then you just, put so many great shooters on the floor and stuff. Um, well, and they just got seven games of maybe one of the worst offenses in the NBA. So it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a culture shock or not culture shock. It's going to be a, a shocking experience for them probably right out of the gate because they've just had seven games where they only had to shut down one or two people. And now you have to shut down four mm-hmm. or five. So it it almost feels like game one is a lock for the Warriors. Um, just, again, I, I think you're right. Culture shock is the right way to put it. The whiplash that you're going to get. I have a really, I, I, this is, I don't mean this to take anything away from the Celtics at all because the Celtics did an incredible job of defending Kevin Durant. That was a great defensive strategy against, against uh, Brooklyn to just say, we really don't care about Kyrie Irving because after a game or two, he's going to get moody and just randomly stop trying. Um, and that's exactly what happened. It was all about, we need to focus on making life hell for Kevin Durant against Milwaukee. Uh, it, especially as that series went and, and the bucks shooters just couldn't make anything. It became more and more and more and more about pack the paint, prevent Giannis from, from having an easy time of it. And that wore him out, worked beautifully, um, in game seven. I don't know what they did defensively against the Heat that really made a difference in in a lot of ways because I just think the Heat aren't very good. Um, their mm-hmm. their surrounding cast just isn't isn't very good. And once Tyler Hero was out, that was a team that just is kind of floundering offensively. So it's hard. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's hard for me to draw a lot from the defensive side um, against Miami and then apply it to to Golden State. I would imagine that it is a it is a major whiplash to go from the team they just played in for seven games with the Heat to this team that is just the complete antithesis of that. Um, so yeah, it almost feels you, like a scheduled loss in a way to start the series. Sure, and you can't do what they did with Kevin Durant to the Warriors because, as we've said before, they have multiple players that can get hot. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, they even showed, you know, Curry even showed in – our series that he's able he's able to lean on Kevon Looney uh possibly he's you know mm-hmm. he can I mean even Draymond kind of had his, himself a game in game seven uh you have you know he's he's putting Moody in the game that he can hit some shots I mean they they're going to be the most ra- well-rounded offensive team the Celtics mm-hmm. have played in the playoffs because I can't I don't think the net you can call the Nets that no. right now and so no it's that that's in it's on top of a game seven hangover like I, I think Celtics fans need to 
temper their expectations for game one and not panic too much if things don't go their mm-hmm. way. Because I think that you give give Udoka a chance to adjust. And that's the other thing, too, is that you're talking about a team in the Warriors that have, I mean, what, seven guys in there with finals experience? I, I, don't, I don't have the team in front mm-hmm. of me. And and now playing against a team and a coach that have little to no experience in the finals. I mean, mm-hmm. Horford is the veteran leader, and this is his first time in the finals in his career. Yeah. So yeah. that that's going to be a major factor, I think, as well, especially in the early um, couple of games, too, for sure. I'm interested to see how the Celtics defend Steph, and if they if they sell out to just not let him him get his shots. Um, or if that is even a, a strategy that you can pull off against this team, I, I don't know. And then the, the reverse of that is is how frequently and in what spots the Celtics just say, okay, Andrew Wiggins is guarding Tatum versus uh, the frequency with which they're going to bring double teams and try to make him a playmaker, which is he's not his his strength. Um you know, um, I don't know. I if I had to guess, I would say they will they'll they'll start with Wiggins on him as much as Wiggins straight up on him as much as possible, and and use the double teams in in um, samples. You know, small sample sizes, little little pockets here and there, and it's just something that they can go to later if they need to. Um, and and then you just you kind of let I Dre will have to guard somebody more so than than he may have. You know, Draymond guarded Jalen Brunson a bunch in this in the Mavs series, but um, mm-hmm. they do they did such a great job of rotating over to Brunson. They basically let Draymond kind of kind of play free safety in in big stretches of that series. Um, I don't know how well he'll be able to do that in in this series because if you run off of of Robert Williams, then you have the vertical threat. Horford has hit shots at a pretty good rate at this point. Um, you know, I it. That will be interesting to see see how the, those things play out, but um, I don't know, man. Stylistically, I'm into it. I, I think it could be cool. Uh, the <laughs> the jersey combo is is pretty aesthetically pleasing. There's that too. So yeah, thank you, Boston, for not wearing black at home. <laughs> that I'm glad yeah. they're listening to my ranting because yeah. that that was really really bothering me in the first couple of yeah. series. So. Yeah. I think the experience thing is a big factor. I agree with you on that. Uh, the, the 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 major thing to me is like I know that Golden State's going to be good for a game or two where they have twenty plus turnovers and they just lose the game for that. That's the way that they've. Yeah, and I think both teams been. have that potential to kind of come out and just be like, "What the heck happened to y'all?" <laughs> so I think that that's that's. Yeah. I I just really hope the NBA trend this year turns back into like every game is exciting because right mm-hmm. now I feel like. Every game is that one team comes out flat, one team comes out, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. pretty pretty awesome, and the next thing you know, it's just the game's over after a quarter. And so, I'm hoping I'm hoping that changes now. To me, like the biggest thing is just Boston in every series, even the sweep against Brooklyn had a game or two, or a big stretch within games where they just stopped playing basketball. For for important stretches in a lot of spaces, you know, it's like the, that the the end of game one, the way that they played against Brooklyn, and there was a couple games in Milwaukee, and then a couple of games in Miami, and then even the last five minutes of game seven, they just they revert back to this garbage style of basketball where 
they they can't find the right pace. They're like stuck between being indecisive and being too aggressive. You know, Marcus Smart firing off three threes in the last couple of minutes of, mm-hmm. of game seven where you're just like, bro, don't do that. Or Jalen Brown aggra- just going so hard at the at the paint uh, in a spot where this is one where you should pull back and, and hold the ball. You know, things like that. Tatum's decision-making in those stretches, it's, you can't do that against the Warriors. You can't do that. It's not, it's not tenable to uh, to have a five minute stretch, let alone a quarter, where you don't bring everything you've got offensively, or you lose focus, or you start turning it over, or you fall back into taking contested threes pretty perpetually. It you will die. You will die against this team. It's they are different than they are different than than the the Nets or the heat or the bucks without Middleton and stuff. You can't do it. And, and I don't know, I, there's, I guess my point being, it's super impressive that they are here, that, that the Celtics have gotten to this point. Um, but there's been too many times through the course of the playoffs where I felt like this is exactly what the, this is the kind of thing that the Warriors will prey on if you do this. And there's, mm-hmm. there hasn't been any proof that, that says they've grown out of that, that they're not going to do that um, for me personally. So, I don't know. Let's do let's do quick predictions. What what do you got on this one? Um, I I think I'm gonna go Celtics and six. Wow. Okay. I don't know why the Warriors don't feel like the Warriors of old to me, and I think the Celtics defense is pretty good. I don't want. I don't know if I want that necessarily. And maybe that's why I'm picking Celtics, so that way that I'll feel better about losing to the eventual NBA champion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think Celtics is sick. I I think that they will the Warriors will come out hot in Game One. I think the Celtics will win Game Two, and then they'll. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the first two in Boston. Like, okay. I think I don't know. I don't know why I think that. This is just total gut reaction. If I'm being honest, so yeah, for me, I'm the opposite. I'm taking. I'm going Warriors in six. Uh, I think that. I think that that series that 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 the Mavs just played against them really kind of brought back to focus of like how good. I don't think this this team is clearly not as good as they were with Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's you know duh. Um, and and they're they're pro, they're not as good either as as you know the the absolute peak of of that pre Durant time. Um, but this team was the best team in the league for the before mm-hmm. their injuries started. And they look like the best team in the league at stretches during the playoffs, both against the Nuggets and against the Mavs. Celtics are definitely better than the Nuggets. I don't know but about the Mavs. It, it, yeah. Whatever. Um, the, really, the only time they struggled was against the Grizzlies, which was the team that we said, this is the worst matchup in the Western mm-hmm. Conference for them, um, just because of everything he, that they that they do there. But uh, Here's yeah. my two things. My Number one, just like we were saying for the Warriors, they haven't – the, the Celtics haven't faced an offense like the Warriors. I don't think the Warriors have faced a defense like the Celtics. And so I think that that's going to be interesting to play out. But also we can't we can't forget the fact that I don't know what the exact numbers are because I don't have them in front of me, but that the Celtics have basically been the best team since a certain part of the season because they went on a ridiculous tear. And I think that's included in the playoffs and they've just knocked off two, you know, powerhouses in Game Sevens. I think that they have all the reason to feel like they belong there. And so, that's just kind of where my brain is going. I, but I, like I said, if if a week from now 
we come back and it's like, yeah, the Warriors mm-hmm. won in five. I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, that's that's just where my head's going with that. No, I, I think there's lots of people picking the Celtics. I don't think it's a it it. I don't think this is a walk runaway series for for either side by any means. I it, it's, you know, the only thing that would surprise me is is a sweep. You know, one way or the other. Really, um, there's a lot. I just don't. I don't think you're you're right. Like I don't. Th- I don't think the Warriors have faced a defense like this. I don't think that that kind of thing bothers them. <laughs> I think that yeah. Much. Th- I totally um, agree. I totally agree with that too. I I really I mean I I think the I think the Warriors are the type of team even this version of the Warriors that that again is not as good as as the Warriors were at the the very peak of their powers I think that the Warriors are a team that you can play perfect defense against them for a lot of the game and you still you still lose it still doesn't really matter that much um I just I don't know I just there were too many things down if if this I'm not putting I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment I'm not putting it all on on the game seven. Um, I just, the end of that game seven just, just gave me flashbacks to this is the thing that has bothered me about this team for, for Mm -hmm. most of the last few seasons is that they just, they get into these, these stretches where they just refuse to play good basketball. Um, and I, I feel like you can't get away with that against a team that is as veteran and as, as smart and and as experienced as as the Warriors are, so I don't know. It's yeah. It's certainly not a knock on the Celtics at, at the Warrior for the Warriors for me to sit here and say, yeah, I think I'm going to take Warriors in six. This is not a, you know, it's not a knock on the Celtics. It's a very good basketball team. I don't like them. I do not enjoy watching the Celtics play basketball at this point. And I, I've said many times I do enjoy watching the Warriors. So maybe there's some bias in that as well. But like, I just think the Warriors probably. I think the Warriors are probably the best team in the league when they are when they are right, and right now it you know it looks like mm-hmm. they are they are right. I wish this was the Bucks. I, I with with all due respect to to our buddy Brad and to any other Celtics fan that's listening, I don't mean this as a knock against your team. I think it would be really interesting to see Giannis against this Warriors team. I think that would be for me just from a pure basketball standpoint, like what would be the, the most enjoyable series to me? It's that, it's that series more so than, than Celtics warriors. But I am very interested, like I said, to see the defensive side of things with, with both of these teams and how, how they go at the best players for, for the other team and how, and how the role players react to that. So um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Okay. So you've got, but you've got Celtics in six. I've got warriors in six. Brad will like you better than me. Um, Let's do some coaching news and let's get out of here. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. I'll take, I'll take Warriors of Six. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's come back around the other way. I like it. Um, Darvin Ham is going to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Our beloved Darvin Ham, Texas Tech's I, own Darvin Ham. Tobin, your reaction. I told our Lakers buddies that if you hurt one hair on his <laughs> bald head, I will burn Yuka to the ground. I am so scared of him going to the Lakers and I really wish he would have gotten a job last year so this wouldn't have been an option because man I really want him to succeed in so many ways and I really hope that but I also don't want the Lakers to succeed I want the Lakers to implode and now I have to wish that it's like I'm gonna cry as he's going down a sneaking ship of LeBron James and Anthony Davis knee problems so oh it makes me happy for him but I'm also like I I, I, this is kind of one of those like well, I'll see you at your next stop, buddy. Now, now that you've broken through, <laughs> now that you've broken yeah. through, like I'm waiting for you to get your second job so you can not be the coach of the Lakers and I can cheer for you. 
you know, you understand obviously why a guy takes a job. It's freaking LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis. It's, it's the Lakers and it's the head coaching. There's only 30 of these jobs in the world. So, um, you take what you can get. I really wanted him to go to Charlotte though. I, I, I think that that is a better experience for better opportunity for a first year coach. Uh, is, is that I, I just, I don't know what he's going we, we, you never know with an assistant coach, what they're going to bring to the table. Um, when they, when they walk in the door, you never know. And he may have an incredible strategy on both sides of the ball and be great with the players and all this sort of stuff. I just, there's nothing that suggests that that LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook are super interested in listening to a coach, in my opinion. So I, you know, maybe you ride some success. Maybe LeBron and, and AD are rejuvenated and the Lakers are a top four team in the West next year and everything's hunky-dory and we're cruising along to into the playoffs and to a finals and, and whatnot. But, you know, as soon as they are eight and 11 or something like that, then the heat is on and it starts to be Darvin Ham's fault. And I, I just, I don't know, man, it bums me out. It bums me out. I'm super happy for him, but I wish it was not. I don't love this situation for any, any rookie coach. You'd like to think that he has been given the thumbs up from the, at least the one big guy. Like, I mean, LeBron surely had to be in on that. So, Mm Man, I don't, I don't know. I like I said, I'll see you at your second stop because I don't think this is going to last very long unless they unless they do a rebuild and trust you through it. So, yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I just, I just think, I think, I think young coaches, I think assistant coaches, becoming a head coach for the first time, it's a da- look. It's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game one way or the other because if you you pick the wrong rebuilding project, you know you're you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, you, you, you can be out of a job just the same as you can yeah. going to a veteran team. I just, I would like to see, I would like to see, I would have liked to have seen him go to a spot where we might actually get a taste of like, is he a good coach or not? And I, that just doesn't really happen in my, in no, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of worlds in which that just doesn't happen in this scenario, in my opinion. So any it. other team would have been better for that than the Lakers. Cause this is very much a, all right, give LeBron the ball. All right, let's watch Russell, you know, dribble the floor mm-hmm. away. Like right. I, it's just there, there's I don't the amount of coaching he's going to be doing here. I think is very minimal compared to if he went to a Charlotte or mm-hmm. maybe a Utah here in a second. Utah so, would have been interesting. Utah yeah. would have been interesting. I think with with Darvin Ham. Um, let's go to Utah. Quinn Snyder's not. He doesn't want to coach this team, right? Like that's what you're. But he's are, still there. He's not fired. <laughs> Well, he's Even not going to quit. You know, he's not going to quit. Um, I, I think Quinn Snyder is a very good coach. I think that Quinn Snyder's um, usefulness to the Utah Jazz has ended, and it's I like think, I think it his feels welcome like is worn out. Yeah, I do too. I think both sides are. I think it's kind of a game of chicken right now. It feels like both sides are just kind of staring at each other. Like, are you going to quit? Are you going to fire me? What are we? What are we going <clears> to do here? And it's too late to be doing that at this point like you're if you're gonna bring in a new coach you are way behind the eight ball now guys so it if i had to guess what happens here tobin and i don't know but you tell me what what you think if i had to guess this ends up being a a december firing instead of 
a do it now. And that is always the worst thing to do. It is always the worst thing to do when you basically are going to waste a season on running it back with a coach that you know you don't want and doesn't want to be there. This is a huge mistake on both sides, in my opinion. I might have agreed with you before yesterday. And then yesterday something came out and basically said his future was in doubt. I would not be surprised at all if he walked away from the team this year, spent the year off because he knows that Popovich is is mm. is mm. done after this next year. I I I feel like he has to have some sort of insider info about Nick Nurse or Greg Popovich for him to be because surely his people floated this story, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. Jazz don't have any reason to do this, I don't think, short of maybe getting him to quit and they don't have to pay his <laughs> his contract out. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just yeah. there's there's two coaching things right now that are kind of seem like very similar, and that's Quinn Snyder and Doc Rivers. They both seem like they yeah. don't really want to be there. Yeah. And they both are still very much there. I I really I could see him walking away. And taking the year off, I think if I if I were to be a, a betting man, that's probably the bet I'm taking right now, um, because of the report that came out yesterday. I just don't I don't feel like that you can put out a report like that and have that much smoke with Woj and Shams mm-hmm. reporting it mm-hmm. and something not be done. Because, like I said, I would have agreed with you before yesterday. I th- I've took I I had the exact same thought as as you but but I took it to the the point of it feels like it feels like he is telling them to fire he's begging them to fire him so he can go sit on a bench for a year and and find a spot elsewhere next year. I mean, I think I you you mentioned Doc Rivers and I think you're spot on there that like I think both of those guys kind of wanted to go to LA. And just yeah. figure out a way to get out of their contracts. Yeah. Know? I mean, I really, I Doc Rivers absolutely just, I'm sure behind the scenes was not like, get me out of here. But like, he really kind of put it on the table of like, please. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> like, go ahead. Send me on. Um, and, and I kind of think, I think, I think Snyder was a little bit in that camp as well. Um, I, I, if your future is in doubt, if we're getting reports from Woj, as you said, about the future is in doubt and all this, then I can't, this, this, it's not tenable. It's not tenable to keep this thing going. So make a move. But again, like I said, you're way behind at this point if you're going to go that route. Unless you have a, 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 a replacement in the wings, like on the bench somewhere, and I don't know who their assistant coaches are besides Ty Corbin. I'm pretty sure he's in, in Utah, and I know he can't coach, so... Um, I just think you're, you're, you're in a big spot of trouble. If you, if you let the, you're, you're, you're really limiting who you can bring in to, to be your coach. If you're going to, if you're going to end up letting him go three weeks before the draft. Yeah. Um, but also if you wait and do it in the middle of the year, you've already kind of hinted that this next season is going to be a disaster. Like in, in the way that the team is constructed, it's, you have you are seeing a the beginning of a fire starting right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not an owner for the Jazz. I'm not a GM. If I'm them, I am, I am trading Gobert, maybe even trading Donovan Mitchell, cutting bait with Quinn Snyder, and I'm doing a full reboot and getting as many assets as I can because if you let 
Donovan Mitchell go out there by himself without Gobert? I think Gobert's gone. I don't think there's any chance he comes back next year with all the stuff going on. If you let Donovan Mitchell go out there next year and just completely crap the bed, mm. I, I think that's going to really be dangerous for his value. And so, man, I don't know. Like, there's, there's, and I, I just looked up their, their coaching staff. There's nobody other than Dell Dems on there. Maybe Keon Dooling, but I don't know anything about can't, his can't coaching. Trust Keon Dooling, man. <laughs> that may be in jail uh, next year. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing about this team that says, "Man, I feel good about their future." <laughs> so, no, no, it's it's so yeah. That's that's the thing is like I'm sure that's very hard to do. It's easier said than done. But if his future is in doubt and you have a draft in three weeks, get rid of it now before the next wave of things happen because it yeah. just, it doesn't make any sense for you to sit on it. I mean, like I said, the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is go into a season with a coach that you don't trust. Um, yeah. you, you, you're, you are locking yourself into right or wrong. NBA, athletes know it. They know when the guy who's in charge doesn't have the authority anymore. And I'm not even putting that on the players to be honest with you. It's, it's, if you know, if you know your boss is retiring or getting fired or that the, that the, the upper levels of, of the hierarchy don't, don't think your boss is the, is the one to go, you're not going to listen to your boss. If it really comes down, you may, you may go through the motions. You may, you may even like your boss, but, but the, at the end of the day, you are, you are unlikely to really follow the lead, especially if it's a difficult thing. When you're like, bro, you're not even going to be here. I don't, that's, I just, has that ever worked? Has it ever worked? Like Frank Vogel's first year, maybe since he was like on the hot seat from day one. I mean, I, it, it, it very rarely pays off. You are usually just asking for a 11 and 17 start. And we fired the coach in December or something. And it, I, I mean, if I were the them now that it. the Lakers have hired ham is I, I'm I'm trying to go get Atkinson at this point for some for somebody else. I mean, he's I think he's literally interviewed for every opening. So, well, that's where we're at. Were there, I, in, as far as I know, unless I'm forgetting something, the only head coaching spot in the league that's not full right now is the Charlotte Hornets. They really wanted Darvin Ham. I think I think he had a second interview, walked out of the interview and got the job with the Lakers, which is it's just got to be so so deflating. Um, if you're in that that situation for the for the Hornets, they are the the names that are on the table now. It, it what I saw the report was it is between Kenny Atkinson and Mike D'Antoni um, for the the head coaching spot in Gross. Charlotte. What do you? Uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, again, I don't see any world where you. I mean, I don't know. We've we've trashed D'Antoni for <laughs> hours on the show. Maybe they think he can turn Lamelo into Steve Nash reincarnate, but or James Harden reincarnate. I don't know. Uh, this this furthers my point of the jazz of if you want to move on and have a possible good candidate, that's I would go get Atkinson before he gets taken up. Cause I, if I'm the Hornets, I'm getting Atkinson right now. Like that's, that's, that's the choice for me, but I'm not the Hornets and the NBA still believes in the Antonio. It seems like, uh, they also interviewed, uh, our boy, Sean Sweeney, apparently. 
And, you know, there's still Vogel out there and Terry Stotts still. Yeah, Stotts have been getting some 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 interviews. I, I don't I, I think Terry Stotts is a good coach. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that. Sweeney, I think, is out of it at this point because I haven't seen his name mentioned in a I'm just in a saying while. if you're the Jazz though, like there are good options that you can possibly rebuild with. And so mm-hmm. again, like our point is you you're basically giving up this year. I think if you go in with Quinn Snyder again yeah. and unless you are fully committing to the same exact thing you've had the last three years and we already know how this ends. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe they're going to be stupid. Maybe they're going to do that. I don't know. I think, I, I mean, think the I, other, I, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I think the other thing is, is that there is a very good chance that next season there's going to be a lot more coaches, coaches openings, a lot more assistance up for jobs. And I think that mm-hmm. there's also like, I know that, you know, Juwan Howard's name has been thrown out and Jerry Stackhouse has been thrown out. I think there's, I think there's definitely buzz names for next year's coaching search along with a couple of jobs that are probably going to be open. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe they think that they can get in that carousel later, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I guess the only other thing you could say is, like, this is a veteran team. It's not like the draft is going to be a huge part of what they do moving forward. So maybe maybe you can wait and see what materializes in the in the trade market for Gobert or whatever and, and <coughs> see how you can fit that into to a Snyder team next year. I, I just think that's a really difficult thing to pull off. But I also think they're a little bit stuck on – New owner doesn't want to be doesn't want a fifteen win team, you know, because mm-hmm. that that does. I mean, even in Utah, Utah is going to sell, Utah is going to sell tickets for for at least a season or two. They could do a rebuild for a season or two, and and that that fan base would would still buy tickets. Um, you know, I don't know that you could do an OKC Thunder kind of thing or a, no. You know, I think a, a I think your thing, safest but, play is to rebound rebuild everything around Mitchell. Even though I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think yeah, you, I, I think you rebuild everything around Mitchell, including the coach and the the team, and then that buys you a couple of years. I, I agree with you. I think that's the safest thing to do. It's not what I would do. I've said many times. I think I think that what I think ends up happening with this team is they they do everything they can to rebuild about Donovan Mitchell, and in three years they're still sitting there saying, "Man, it's fun to be in the playoffs, but we don't really ever do anything." Um, so what do we do now? Yeah. Um, I I would probably go the opposite route. But I'm not the owner of the Jazz, and I'm not a new mm-hmm. owner that's that's trying to recoup some of my money and stuff. So, you know, whatever. Real fast, the the Hornets are in an interesting situation because I think Kenny Atkinson is a really good coach, a, a really good coach. I also think that part of the reason that Borrego didn't work there, because I think Borrego is a really good coach too, for what it's worth. I think part of the reason that he didn't work there is that he clashed his like sort of hard nosed style did clearly did not work with Lamelo. And I think kind of clashed with the rest of the guys too. Kenny Atkinson is that way too. Like Kenny Atkinson is not a guy who is going to just sit back and let Lamelo Ball get away with not getting back on defense or or whatever else. That's going to be. I mean, he's he's kind of a hard A as well. So you know, usually when you have a when you when we see it all the time, you fire you have an offensive coach, you fire him, you bring in a defensive coach. You have a players coach, you fire him, you bring in kind of a a hard A kind of guy. Um, and vice versa. Um, I'm not sure that Atkinson's vibe works. If Borrego's vibe didn't work, I'm not sure that Atkinson's vibe works either. So there's there's it's probably that. true. D'Antoni is is the the exact antithesis, the exact opposite of of Tom Thibodeau, which is like it's cool to bring him in for a year to like write the ship, but you should never depend on 
what he's wh- what he's going to be able to pull off once once he gets things going in the right direction, you know. But mm-hmm. but I can see the the concept of we have a ball, we have Miles Bridges, um, we've got some other interesting players. We're gonna bring in an offensive genius who's gonna you know open this thing up for the team. I you know I don't know. They're in an interesting spot. Darvin Ham would have been my hire if I was them, and and maybe yeah. that's what they wanted, and now they can't. So. You know, it is what it is. We'll see. By next week, I, I assume they will have a coach. Maybe we'll have some clarity on, on Quinn Snyder as well. Um, let's get out of here. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. Bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market. And leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. In that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past, and we like to read those out at the end of the show. We'll be back next week talking about the NBA Finals and anything else that comes up within the world of this, our beloved NBA. We'll also be back later this week with a full Mavs time episode, starting our dive into what the Mavs need to do or what we think they could potentially do in the offseason. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay hard, Ronnie Rogers.